Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joining the phone, hiding under a blanket, we have Vance. Hi, Vance. That is true. How you guys doing? I'm doing all right, unless you're talking to the people listening that can't really answer back to you. Um, but we also have, uh, sitting in for Mr. TikTok himself, we have <laughs> Gearman Steve in Todd's place. Steve? Hello, guys. Should I, I shouldn't start rapping right now, right? Does that come later? That comes later, but you got to have some good moves. Vance, did you see those moves? Good Lord. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, I'm serious. We didn't talk about this prior to the show. Did you see the video? Yeah, I absolutely saw the video. It was sent to me like 50 times. <laughs> Steve, did you see the video? No, I did not. Okay. For anyone out there, I'm not sure really. Well, you just search Todd on Facebook and you could probably see it. Um, if Todd would have been on the show, I would have been asking questions about this a little bit more. But um, he did a TikTok video with his daughter. And I kind of want some more background information about this. But check it out. So, <laughs> Steve, you might want to do that as well. It would be videos with my girls. Well, you have to see Todd dance. (laughs) (laughs) So now that's four videos with the three that we talked about prior to the show that you have to watch. However, this one's like 10 or 12 seconds or whatever they are. It's probably the only TikTok video I've ever seen. Um, Anyways, moving on. Um, This podcast is brought to you by... Fat AZ Muskie products. You hear it all the time. FatAZMuskie.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram primarily. Let's see. What do we got rolling here? Slowly creeping my way into painting more baits. We have a Team Rhino order in the works. We have rod holders right now, which we're still setting up boats. You know, and I'm getting a lot more people talking about the uh, Christmas season. Uh, Christmas gifts to themselves or, you know, other people. Um, This would be a great time. You know, your boat might be put away. You have stuff fresh in your memory. Maybe you want to change something, you know, just not quite what you're, you know, you want to have, but you can tweak it. What are you guys listening to? No, keep going. (laughs) It's making it epic. Is it? (laughs) Who is that, Vance? Is that you? Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, if you're looking to set up your boat, change something, or maybe just want advice, reach out. Any one of our outlets, the website, both social medias, um, we'd be glad to help you there. And you can find the baits at Muskie Tackle Online or Team Rhino Outdoors. Life finds a way. Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, check us out. Uh, our <laughs> books are open for 2021. Um, they're filling up fast. Uh, reach out to us on the uh, Facebook page or the uh, website. But we have limited days already for that summer season uh, at Chautauqua Lake. We're going to be doing some fishing in um, Pennsylvania early. Uh, so 
Hit us up. We'll take you out there, get you on some fish. When you do come out and fish with us, you'll be fishing out of Ranger Boats. Big shout out to them for sponsoring Muddy Creek Fishing Guides in this show. Uh, check out all your Ranger needs at Big Sports Center in Kent, Ohio. Uh, winterization time's coming up. Boat buying season's coming up. Get your order in sooner rather than later because the man is out doing production right now. And they have Starcraft, Star Welds, Tritons, and Rangers. Uh, really, really good dudes in the business. Uh, St. Croix rods, best rods on earth. We use them all the time. Smack them, crash them, break them. Great customer service there. They stand the test of time. Check them out. And that's it for me. Very nice. What do you... I have to ask. (laughs) I don't want this to have any copyright infringements or anything. (laughs) We're getting hit by one of the biggest movies ever produced. (laughs) They're going to have some deeper pockets than us. Well, I just thought it would, like, you know, be, like, something different, you know? Uh, I thought that was a good, good touch. I, I mean, it was funny, but it was unexpected. I'm like, first it sounded like static, and I'm like, okay, I'll just go. And I'm like, crap, I know that tune. <laughs> I've been I've been like humming it all day. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe it was like the whole sunglasses thing when they uh saw that big brachiosaurus, how they kind of pull their glasses off reminds me of another person had glasses fall off their forehead on the bridge of their nose. <laughs> That's another <No>. reference. Fancy <laughs> like... you know that's the TikTok yeah. video. <laughs> yeah. That is the TikTok video. <laughs> but, yeah, I just wanted... It was funny. You know. I liked it. Uh, it was very dramatic. It gave your uh, plug a lot of emphasis. It was good. I liked it. it did. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an incredibly powerful song. It, it inspires I mean, me to talk about Muskie's Inc., Yes. Okay, Steve, it's your turn to rap now. <laughs> Yo. There we go. <laughs> Excellent. Where would I be without my lady? The thought alone might break me. And I don't want to go crazy. Because every thug needs a lady. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Where would I be without you? Muskies Inc. Where would they be without you? Uh, They'd be dead. They would be be dead. dead. There would not be a podcast. Yeah, we 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 found out that there was only six thousand members uh, of Muskies Inc. So uh, join your local chapter. Um, It is the sounding voice in musky fishing. Uh, You get things done. Uh, when you have bodies behind you, if you're trying to start a new chapter, maybe get some stocking programs in your area uh, to keep the musky fishing going. Uh, join Muskie's Inc., start a chapter, uh, do things uh, like that, because it's very positive in musky fishing. Um, 
Pennsylvania and the tri-state area, they all run off of stocking and the uh, sounding voice behind that is, is the members. Um, so you, you got to join. You want it. You want muskies in your area. Keep muskies in going, join your chapter and uh, have some fun. Perfect. Something that uh, I enjoy looking at and, I tried to piece together the data, and I, I kind of found a little bit um, of some 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 neat points to ponder, and I don't have the magazine in front of me. Um, I kind of have it by my kitchen table, and if I'm you know eating or snacking or doing something like that, I'll have it there in front of me and flip through it. But it is looking like the uh, catch record, the, the, the release reward is going to be leaving Pennsylvania and be going somewhere else. Number one is way out there. Did you, have you paid attention to that Vance? I have not seen it. Okay. Um, it looks like it's going to be, uh, heading a little bit South, but that's not like the one thing that I thought was interesting. So with, with the, like the release award thing, they have, um, like the men's division, the women's division, the youth division. And they have another one called the Masters. I'm not exactly sure what what the difference is between just like the regular men's and women's and then the Masters. Vance, do you know? Uh, you enter the Masters division after you register X amount of fish. I believe it's 250. So once you uh, register 250 fish, you bounce to the Masters. And you get the green jacket. You get that green jacket. Maybe, maybe not. But in the Masters division, something that I thought was interesting was that division seems to be represented very well by the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. That's something neat. I mean, yeah, I, I recognize a lot of the names there, but you can kind of see some. They, they, they break it down a little spreadsheet, but it was neat. I saw a lot of Ohio's in there for just the top 10 that they have. And then they, how many fish, how many points in the average length and things like that. It's, it's interesting to kind of pick up some of this stuff um, that you could just get out of just a basic chart there in front of you. But I don't know, something neat. If you like to crunch numbers and look and let your gears start grinding, um, that's some neat stuff that's in the magazine. A lot of, a lot of news that they put in from each, each chapter. They have like a little thing in the back where there's a couple paragraphs uh, submitted by each chapter, what's going on, upcoming events and all that. So really cool stuff. I mean, you get that, you get the magazine um, with your $45 membership fee. It's it's a pretty good bargain. And you get the, the magazine, you have access to all that other, the lunch log and everything that we've talked about in the past. But I don't know, you know, like we keep saying, what what you put in, you can get out of it. Here's something, you know, you can look at this magazine and you can get something out of it. I got a lot of enjoyment looking at looking at those uh, release uh, records going on there. And I think they hit 450. The numbers escape me. They just registered over 450,000 fish, I think, with like seven wow. about 7,000 coming in this year. 7,000 uh, releases. So interesting. Yeah. Anyways. Now, Steve, there's an event coming up. That event is very close to your house. 
Mm. The Musky Max. It is. As of, time of year. He, as, of, as of right now, it's still going on. And that's in Cannonsburg. That's Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I think it's the 6th and the 7th of March. Um, we're going to keep everyone posted as best we can, but mark your calendars. Because as of right now, it's the only show that I know of. There could be other shows that are still going. We're going to really see here in the next coming months. If it if it stays, we all hope it does. But mm-hmm. it, it draws a great crowd, a lot of great vendors, and it should be uh, something if you can attend. By all means, do it. Guys make weekends of it. It's a lot of fun. So hope to see you there. I hope to see it, uh, you know, actually get play out and life gets back to normal, but we'll find out here coming soon. All right, Steve, hit up your plugs. Well, the one I have, and, and maybe I should stop doing this because he just called me the other day and says, Hey, I'm like becoming a musky rod baker because <laughs> he's got musky guys calling him. He's making a musky ice fishing rod, uh, a musky so ice I, fishing rod. Yes. Do you know anything about this? Do I know anything about it? Well, he told me that it was an individual that actually broke his rod and wants the like last three foot to have a handle or so to turn it into a ice fishing rod. So he's customizing the real seat and everything around it. <clears throat> excuse me to create this musky ice fishing rod from a broken rod that uh, is being repurposed. But that's my buddy SH Fishing Sticks. Again, you guys talk about St. Croix rods. He builds a lot off of St. Croix blanks. And I, we were talking the other day, too. I don't know where I'm at. I'm well over 20 projects with him. Um, again, he has one, almost always has one for me somewhere in the hopper. So uh, if you want customized rods, which, you know, I'm a big advocate of because it definitely can tailor to your style and fishing uh, uh, preferences and comfort, it, uh, to me, it changes the whole experience where you can, when you can get that customized to what you like. So, uh, he definitely can hook you up. You look him up on Facebook and uh, give him a message, and and he'll work with you on what you need. There you go. All right. Well, Vance, is there anything noteworthy you want to start off with? Um, like fishing wise, uh, I'm, I'm I'm still fishing, uh, and I'm going for about five more days, and then. I'm uh, calling it and then going to, going to celebrate Thanksgiving and uh into the woods. It's Andy's property and show them how it's done. <laughs> yes, we need a we, we need chapter fifteen to be written. We certainly do. Chapter fifteen advances I know hunting book. So oh, man. Ha- Compared to last year, let's let's talk a little bit, just generalities. The patterns of last year, are you able to feel that it's a seasonal pattern, or you just got on last year to what was working? Uh, for for this time, this yeah, late fall. Yeah, compared. Yeah, last year to this year, are things overlapping? They are. Uh, they're very uh, similar this time of year. Okay. It was similar uh, results. It, yes, similar results. Okay. Uh, it's been uh it's been very good. Um 
it's a it's a hard pattern to find and and get down but um if you do uh, you can be rewarded um i always say like in the fall people people always say you know fall 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 that's the best time to go um but it's really for people that um have that uh grinding mentality um to to catch uh, the fish it's a, it's a grind and you get your butt handed to you a lot but yes the reward can be very benefit you know can be crazy you can catch your your true tr- trophy on uh, the body of water you are choosing to fish. I mean, it, it sucks out there. You get you know huge wind, snow, hail, lightning, all that stuff uh, contributes. And and you know I think the the pattern is keeping your baits clean, efficient, and uh, being able to outlast them this time of year. Um, and you'll eventually uh, stumble upon your, your trophy. Were you out there, I think it was Sunday? Sunday, when that front hit? Yes, it was. It, it was absolutely terrible. And I, I actually pulled uh, prior to that happening. Okay, um, so... You know, obviously weather here isn't the same everywhere else. But Mm -hmm. on Sunday, we had, you know, a front come in. It was kind of like a spitty, rainy kind of day. There was some wind going on. And then I want to think around 2.30, right at my house, it just... I can't remember wind just hitting this hard, this Mm -hmm. fast... Now, something that happened at my place that didn't happen, I, I showed people a video of this. Um, Steve, did you have this front hit as well? Not only hit so hard, I have this like plastic shed that's on my driveway that we store all the go- girls' bikes and everything in. The wind ripped the shed apart, blew the bikes into the yard, the sleds and everything up into the trees. I felt like I was in like Alabama for a moment, the way it just was ripping everything apart for that like half hour, but yeah. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of the listening audience had something like this hit. Um, it might not have been the exact time we're talking about, but it was, so was that? Yeah, this, this, this came in, uh, and, and I kind of knew it was coming and it was already terrible, you know, maybe 40 mile an hour winds. And, uh, I was protected and fishing in an area. And I said, we got to, we got to be done now. Um, and so I pulled and parked my boat and was driving home. And that's when this like mother load of a front came in and it seemed to span across counties and maybe even States, uh, at this, at this point. And, um, I know that there was one other uh, person fishing that day and they had trouble getting home because trees were down in areas. Uh, and you know, it, 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 it was just absolutely insane. And when I got home and this came, uh, flying through, I like got in the house and I was just staring into the backyard 
waiting for my fence to fall apart. <laughs> well, I didn't get a call. I never thought of that. I didn't get a call. Apparently, it can withstand hurricane force winds. Well, it did. It did fall apart, but not in uh, the design uh, that what, what, Industries what, came up with. <laughs> what, I, what I built was still standing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the most structurally sound uh, part of the fence, but uh, the fence did uh, give way. And I did have to go out and fix it later and put it back together, but not the, not the part that not uh, what I made. Yeah, and um, it was impressive. It was uh, of micro burst proportions, I would say. You know, where where it's not a tornado, but it's it's like you know very devastating, and you know you you hear it in your house. It's just unbelievable. I sent you guys the video what I had. Not everyone had what what happened to my area. Mine was mixed with uh, pea to marble size hail, and I was mm-hmm. just like, "What is it? It was it was insane." And I was, I didn't even think if anyone was fishing, but I couldn't imagine being on a big giant body of water. I don't care what boat you have. Oh, you would be screwed. Yeah. I mean, my dumb ass was out there. And um, <laughs> now I got to ask you, know, you a I, question about that. So you're out there and you're fishing in just horrible conditions, maybe not life threatening, but horrible conditions. Have you ever had in your brain a moment where the clouds part and this light comes down and says, is this worth it for a fish that you're going to put back anyway? Have you ever had that, like, what are you doing moment? Man. Yes. Oh. Abs- <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I, I Lay was hitting him now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Pretty much every time I'm stuck in one. Uh, <laughs> but when you're not, I, you're I, like, yeah. But, I mean, for example, there was, uh, this weather's been, it's the fall. Like I said, you got to outlast them and all that stuff. But uh, there was front after front coming in, hail coming into the boat, pinging off everything. And, you know, you're just like, oh, my God, is this worth it? Can it pass quickly? Please don't stay. Please don't fall in the water. Things like that. Um, please don't a rod go off right now while it's complete hellfire and brimstone out there, even though you kind of want it to happen. But okay. Three yeah. rods rip off. What do you do? Three. I mean, they're peeling. Like, you know, these things are special and they're all different. So you, you, you know, you go after, yeah, you, you have to reel it in, you know, you, you absolutely have. It's, it's, it's instinct, but okay. It's, it's out there. It, it went from 40 mile an hour steadies to that 75 mile an hour bursts and you're sitting in eight footers on Chautauqua and the rods are just peeling (laughs) three of them. There's three of them. And you know, these are not like 32 inches. Oh yeah. I think I go after them, you know, as long as I feel like the boat's stable enough, you know, are you going to have a Bon Jovi song stuck in your head? 
Which one's that? It's my life. It's now or never. <laughs> I was thinking Which more like terrible. the opening scene of Deadliest Catch. Oh, I didn't know. I don't know what they play. Dead or Alive, whatever. Wanted Dead or Alive. Oh, yeah, that. Um, yeah, I would imagine I would go after the rod in, in any situation outside of lightning. Um, but these fronts were coming in like crazy. However, this cloud was like super black and looked devastating. And it wasn't showing up on my weather apps to hold lightning, but I was like, that cloud looks like it has lightning in it. And I would say three minutes after that, boom, thunderous lightning came down. I was like, oh my God. And the, uh, the rod started humming. I had everybody grab a rod, keep it down, and start reeling in. And we we uh, fled for refuge. And there was hail and just crazy wind happening. It's just the time of year. Um, and got to safety and had every intent to go back out. Now, when you say got to safety, I imagine you got back to the marina. And that marina no. is has a brick building. Did you get did there? Not. Did you, well, I, I'm just trying to. When did like the bad stuff hit? While the boat was still <laughs> in, or while it was on the trailer? While it was still in. And did you do the smart thing and go into the bathrooms? No, like I, I couldn't make it to the marina, so I, I made a decision uh, to take refuge under a bridge. Okay, is this that... bridge like? 40 feet above the water? Yes. <laughs> okay. It, it it came up on so quickly uh, that there really wasn't much you could do. And, and the, uh, the visual was you couldn't see anything. The faster you drove, the more, uh, you know, intense the sounds made. And it, you, you couldn't see. So I knew... I was just going to take refuge under this bridge and pray for it to go and pass over, uh, which it eventually did. But I made the decision to stay on the water underneath the structure rather than go another two miles. Is it two miles um, from the bridge to the marina? I mean, it, it seems that it seems like it's that far. Okay. Uh, but I wasn't going to be out in the elements driving the boat at a certain speed with what was above us. I at least could see underneath the bridge and make a judgment call from there. You know, if I was going to beach the boat or... Um, go down with it. Go down <laughs> with it. It's a time of year. It's just as intense stuff rolls in from all different angles it's it's really bizarre you know you get a warm warm south wind then you get this devastating north cold wind coming in and it just creates uh very wild weather and interesting times in the water absolutely on the topic of water coming in <laughs> I think I know where this is going. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, looking your way, so to speak. 
<laughs> you you had something interesting. I don't think we talked about it this summer. Uh, the last time you were on, but tell us some of the growing pains you've had with your your new boat. Well, yeah. So, like we talked, it, it, I got my Ranger boat that I love to pieces. But when I would take it out on the water, I had a complaint me. from Steve. It wouldn't play. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of there was a complaint from Steve about when he'd take it out on the water that it wouldn't plane as easily as the day went on. So I- expand wow. a little bit on that. Well, and the odd thing too was so not only would it not plane, but I noticed the back of the boat all like sitting lower and lower, and then like you said, the planing was getting problematic, and then when I take it out the water would come out of the drain plug and the live well plug for eight minutes, 10 minutes. I mean, it would just, you you pulled the plugs in the, on the bottom of the boat. Yeah. And it would just keep, it would be the point I strapped the boat up and I've already put it away and I'm pulling away with a steady stream of water still pouring out of it. Like I'm going down the interstate. So I just couldn't understand what was happening. And then I, you know, my family, no, I'm sorry. What what did you think that you had a hole in your boat? Like the hole. Well, what I couldn't understand was water was getting into the live well and filling it up. But I had it on uh, you know, the regen that's supposed to cut it off. And then underneath, like you'd see if you'd pull raw, a, a seat out, and there'd be a hole like where the pedestal is, you could see down into under the hall and there'd be water there. And so I thought and as the back end would go lower and lower, waves would start coming over the back. So I just didn't know Compounding if... Compounding the problem. Yes. So like you said, I thought, man, there, there's got to be a, a hole in this hall because I can't imagine this kind of water coming in like this. Well, prior prior to the water discovery, and, and this is all coming back. This is, what, four or five months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah you said that the motor wasn't running right and that it wasn't getting you on plane. No, Do you remember? It was, it was like, a, it was initially you thought it was a motor issue. Well, and, and the reason I thought that, so I started taking my nieces and nephews like tubing in this thing. So my one nephew, who's a little bit larger than, than uh, the, the average person gets on the tube and I go to, Gun it, and the whole motor just bogs down and buries his the tube into the water and buries him, and it just didn't seem like it was running. A lot right. of fun, just... and you're a crappy uncle. Yeah, yeah. So I buried my nephew in the water. Uh, I'm thinking I blew my engine because I don't know what's going on, I, you know. And it just didn't seem to. It just wasn't running anywhere near it was like that first day. And so I thought, man, something's wrong with the engine. Did uh, you know? And I guess I really wasn't quite equating it to the fact that I'm, I'm, you know, carrying probably 200 pounds of water in the hall. Holy crap! Probably more, but go ahead. But more than that, right? Well, yeah. And, and so I'm trying to chase a problem because I can't just fathom there's a hole in the boat. Okay. So that's why you got all those calls, Andy, and pictures and everything else. Mm-hmm. So, but then you know, again, like I said, I pulled out a ton of water. I, I then there'd be times it would just be calm out. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm not taking waves over the back, and I'd still pull out and be a ton of water. Um, so finally, Andy said to me, well, you know, plug all your ports. Plug your drain ports to your live well. Plug everything up. 
Yeah, the overflows, the the intakes, any hole that isn't Never. necessary, plug it. So yeah, so I plugged everything except for the bilge uh, output hole. Good call. And so it like made a world of difference. Nothing, you know. Uh, I still have some water coming in, and I think it's from that bilge outflow, but nothing like it was. I mean, it, obviously the live well doesn't fill up anymore. I don't have water pouring out. Um, so I, what I suspect is there's some leak in the hoses, um, either from the live wells or something that gets into the hall or just backflowing through a check valve in the pumps that should be working. I don't know. I didn't go to diagnose at all because I'm just happy they're all plugged and I'm, I'm not sinking. Right. So... <clears throat> And now my boat performs like it should, and the motor seems great and everything. Yeah. So, so it's amazing what that extra water load does. <laughs> water's sneaky because obviously water's heavy, mm-hmm. but it's also heavy in that it can infiltrate little baby crevices and seep through areas and fill up spots that you might not even fathom or even there. And yeah. it, it can just stay with you. And I've had this happen on other boats. And this would be, being that it's starting to get winter, we were talking, you know, this is a pretty timely topic, that could be, you could have a crack or a hole or a loose hose clamp or something on one of your live well intakes that, yeah. that where the where the like the the through hall fitting is and then go upstream to or that would be technically downstream to where the pump is and then the pump mm-hmm. takes it to the live well any that pump is going to have water in it unless you plug off at the through hall fitting and you know you can plug off inside the live well which is which is great because then you're guaranteed not to get water in your your live well, and it turns it into great storage. Mm-hmm. But a lot of things can happen um, between the through hall and the bulkhead fitting and the actual live well tank. What I've had happen in the past was I actually had a pump break, like the pump cracked or something. Probably how it happened was there was water in it, and I let the boat freeze expanded, cracked it, and then the next year, mm. I got a whole bunch of water coming in. Um, yeah. Now, it was a quick fix, and they're not that expensive, but it's still something to watch out for. So if you were getting water in your boat, and you're chasing your tail trying to find a hole in the hull, check your lines. That, I yeah. mean, and, and that's all relatively inexpensive, and it might not be the easiest to diagnose, but, you know, it's it's well worth your time to investigate that if you think you have a hole somewhere maybe it's a loose rivet or something it very well just could be some electrical or plumbing issues and uh by electrical i mean the pumps yeah so well and another thing it did is i put it in uh, it didn't have an automatic bilge and i stuck one in okay and uh, that definitely helped too because I, i'm noticing again it's still the hall's filling up but everything's plugged off except for the uh um, bilge port that goes out. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we poured a lot of water into that bilge port and it just comes right out into the hall under the hall. Okay. And it sits so, so low to the water. I know Rangers since re- redesigned this cause I suspect that's the problem. A lot of people had because one little wave, it's taken a whole 
gulp full of water down that pipe and the next thing you know it's in your hall. Uh, but the automatic bilge would just kick on and kick it right back out. So that definitely uh, solved uh, an issue with that because I don't necessarily want to plug that hole. So Okay. So okay. Did, did you almost sink? Well, you know, so that was the one thing my, my buddy's dad always told me, hey, get a ranger, they'll never sink. Well, again, water, It was there was so much water in the back of the boat that, like I was saying, this pedestal ports, water's coming up into the pedestal port into the floor. And so, you know, you never sink in your ranger. Again, that's why they have that great safety reputation. But, boy, they'll go pretty low in that water if you, you keep letting it uh, come in. <laughs> Nothing will freak you out more than when you're in your boat and enjoying the day and you look down and there's water around your feet. <laughs> because there's like, by this time, it's a little late. Do your bilges work? Will they keep up? What has happened? Yeah. yeah. But it is a relieved feeling when, when you turn those bilges on and you see that garden hose type stream come ripping stream, out the yeah. side. And you're just like, well, if this water starts going down here in the next 10 seconds or so, I know I might be okay. But those are some tense seconds. Well, and especially when you're in Lake Erie, miles away from you know, the launch. And if you're thinking, man, do I really have this hole that is big enough that like you said, the bilge is not going to keep up with granted. My ranger is not going to quote unquote sink, but it's going to go far enough underwater that they're going to have the coast guard finding me hanging on to life, you know? So, uh, yeah, you just don't like seeing that when you're out that far, especially in the great lakes. Right. Just about anywhere. So, you got all your stuff with you. Your little Island is going under. <laughs> Kills your motor. Yeah, well, yeah. That was my other fear. I kept complaining to Andy, man. If this motor goes down, <laughs> screwed, buddy. <laughs> One of those things, if you start seeing that water, get that motor going and get moving forward to kind of create that vacuumed area, that, that depression around your motor to keep it from getting under the hood. And, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully you can also, that does help. Like if you forgot the drain plug. Mm-hmm. If you can get that thing up on plane without the plug-in, you can actually drain the boat by being up on plane. Yeah. So. Well, and, and if, if you remember, that was another complaint, that it sat so low, the exhaust and everything was underwater. So yeah. when I start the engine, it'd just be bubbles rolling out of the back because it sat so low. Yeah, not good. And I'm thinking, this just doesn't seem normal. But again, the... the, the suggestion you made to just plug every orifice uh, <laughs> to work... And that's all I, I mean, all my boats just plug every hole that isn't necessary. Yeah. I I like a boat with not very many holes in it. <laughs> yeah, I plug everything. Yeah, yeah. you get a and lot I, more storage. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know that I have the same boat as you, that's 617, and dry storage is a premium, so having that huge rear live well is dry stores now for vests and everything is, is nice because you know, I never use live well ever. So yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's definitely, it's to me, it's definitely worth it. And, um, you know, something, something I've been trying to do and I know we've hit on this a little bit because it's, it's along the same lines as the, as this uh, live well talk and the is, Packing what you really only need 
you know, because a common complaint about the, the, the 617 that we have is the lack of storage. Mm-hmm. But I find when you pack only the stuff you really need, it's more than ample. I have a lot more room for other things. Vance, yeah. do you find that like if you have storage space, because you have more storage on your boat, do, do you tend to be like, I'm going to fill every inch of this because I have it, I might as well use it? Or is it, absolutely? let's strip it down to what I think I'm going to really need and then uh, kind of just go from there? Yeah, I uh, I absolutely uh, try to use every um, square inch of storage for baits and and things like that. Um, it, it's a it's a really tough um, battle that I go through to to try and downsize. And and I know I'm only using certain amount of equipment, but there's so much useless equipment on the boat that I have in there. Uh, <laughs> and that goes from rods to baits to safety things. Um, it's all in there. You know? and, and it's, it's a tough battle in the, in the mind to, to not put it in there. I've been leaving a lot of stuff at home. I'm, I'm I'm living an easier life. <laughs> I think it's better for your health. Um, I, I I agree. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm really going to uh, try my best to to downsize uh, with with things I take in the boat next season. Because um, you just look at this stuff, I'm like, well, why is this here? What, why am I ever going to need this? Here's a, you know, bandage tape that's saturated in water. Why is it still there? <laughs> Why didn't I put it in a Ziploc, Ziploc bag? Like, just stupid stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Why is there this many baits? Why do I have these many rods? Uh, so- Why do I have way too many life jackets for, you know, the amount of people that are on board, things like that. Are you required to, if your boat can hold, you know, it might be like, are you, re- are you required by law to have X a num X number amount of life vests? Um, like, let's just say your boat can hold eight people. Do you need eight life vests because you're a guide or is it like you're, you're allowed up to five, five clients on the boat so you need six is there something that governs that or is it just one for every person it's um when you go through your public public vessel inspection in the state of new york you choose uh how many life jackets uh and people um that you're going to have aboard while you're acting as the guide essentially so i have four adults and one child on the boat at all times that's what i choose i could have the boat's maximum uh which like is on the the sticker which it's like you know eight people or seven people or 
2,500 pounds of people, things like that. But I just try to keep it simple with four adults, one child. So that's, four that's what they covers. So like that four adults, one child, is that declared somewhere to where at any time you're stopped, you have to have that many? Uh, the minimum when I'm only when I'm acting as a guide. Okay. So if there was one person on the boat and you're acting as a guide, they pull up and they're like, our paperwork indicates you need to have four adults and one child. You have to produce that. Um, they would probably recognize that and then realize there's only two adults and I would have the, uh, the the required amount like if i had two people on the boat like myself and one other person they wouldn't fault me if i just had our life jacket okay so that's what i was going for yeah was you know how sometimes they have crazy stipulations like you declared this much you need this well i'm just driving my boat around to get stable through the tank and they're like no you need you know 17 flares and you know yeah something like that but okay so it's like normal people you got to have for who's in your boat but let me ask you this then so if you go through your vessel inspection for your guide license and you uh declare four uh life jackets for adults and one for a child and they put that in your paperwork and then they pull you over and see you have five adults and one child and you may have five life jackets uh and a child life jacket to cover it would they tag you because you're you're uh license and, and application was limited to four and one child and you're exceeding that or are they still okay because you increased the amount of life vests to cover that the uh, extra individual um they would not fault me for that because at that point i i, I think in your description you're saying that i was just kind of like driving around with people well even if it was a guided trip let's say it's paying clients and they had five adults and one child and your paperwork as a guide says four and one for what you'd carry, even though you'd have the necessary equipment to cover them. Would they tag you or they nah. not district? Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think that that would happen as long as I have the required, uh, yeah, the required, uh, safety feature on, uh, on there, you know? So yeah. yeah, if I, if I put another class one, life jacket on there and I had five people on there and it's only registered for four. No, they wouldn't. They're good. Okay. They wouldn't find me. All right. Next question. Why do you carry all those baits? I have no idea. I, I think it's just a fisherman <laughs> thing. You know, it, it, it's it's just a fisherman thing. I think it's one of the hardest habits to break in fishing, to have the one of every color mentality um, for that rare opportunity uh, when they're hitting one color or something like that, or a specific bait, or a specific size, or a specific action you have all that arsenal there. Um, but it, it seems to never come to fruition, um, but it's there. But yeah. So you're letting the exception dictate what you bring. Absolutely. Steve, how about you? 
Well, geez, I think my illness is well documented on these podcasts and I've always been chasing that magic lure, magic color. And I, I have more bait than I know what to do with and more rods I know how to handle. But but... Do you pack, do you pack your, your storage full of baits? No. And so what's weird is I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going in the reverse uh, direction. Like we talked before, I only bring three rods with me when I'm musky fishing. I'm great at my, the storage that this new boat offers me is my trolling setups always in storage in there because that seems to be the most cumbersome uh, that, uh, for me before when I didn't have that taking all the rods in and the rod holders and stuff. It, so it, it stays there and that, that element's always there, but I'm down to three rods and we, you know, we talked about those three and, and my bait selection gets way down now to uh, a few Plano boxes. Cause that's what I end up using all day anyway. Cause I just found muskies were way too hard to pattern to find that one magic bait. I mean, I do switch a lot, but well, I just couldn't switch with what I carried in a day to try to get a pattern. So I just chalk it up to tough conditions anymore. Cause I just never found that magic bullet that next thing you know, I got 12 fish in the boat. So I'm scaling back. I'm just making my trips way easier to prepare for way easier to go on because I used to take hours lacing up 12 rods and two tackle boxes and picking through baits, what I was going to take and then come back skunked. It just wasn't worth it. So I could, I can get skunked just as well with three rods and a few baits. <laughs> So I'm going the other way. I like that. Vance, are you going to try to go the other way? I'm going to try, but it's it's going to be tough. <laughs> I mean, because it, it, it makes like sense. It, 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 I think all all these guys, you know, guys and gals, all everyone fishing for muskies spends a huge amount of money on a ton of different baits. And they all look at them, and it's the joke. I only fish the same six. Very few actually just, like, pump the brakes and do it and just scale it way back, even though everyone knows it's the rational thing to do. So, Yeah, regardless if it's walleye cranks or muskie mm-hmm. casting or crankbaits, uh, the problem with muskie baits is they're large, you know? Yeah, you might be able to pack a hundred to one hundred and fifty walleye cranks or bass jigs or whatever it is into one tackle box or you know a thing that carries your planos. When it comes to musky lures, it's like yeah. you're using those planos, those thirty-seven hundred deep ones, mm-hmm. and they just take up an immense amount of space, and it's it's tough and. You know, as a fisherman, you feel like you have to have one of every color. It just, uh, it, it, it's just a bigger thing when it comes to muskies because of the size of these baits. And, yeah. you know, even, even if you're setting a great lake spread with spoons or whatever, what have you, you know, you, you might have hundreds in that little tackle box. Yep. Um, but if, to have a hundred musky baits, it it takes up storage, and it's it's tough, and it still comes down to that mentality of having one of every color, and it's just a horrible habit to break, and you you feel outgunned if you don't have them on there. You know, it sucks. Well, and I, and I always used to come. You know, I used to carry. I mean, I used to carry two pounders. Those big, like huge two pounder bulldogs 
Mm-hmm. That would be like one big of those deep planos by itself. That would come with me because for whatever reason, I thought I didn't have that. That was the lure that I was going to catch a trophy on. And it, time and time again, I had that philosophy that I needed to have everything because it's going to be the magic one. And I don't, again, my laziness is, is, uh, gotten the best of me and my, my crappy experiences of not just having anything turn around when I threw on that two pounder that, uh, and I guess, you know, getting older, carrying that crap just sucked. So, I mean, like flies, I carry one fly, a couple of that one fly, okay, but so that's it. You used to carry around flies. hundreds of pounds of rubber. And then yeah. the absolute lightest bait that you can musky fish, so light that you need weighted line to get it to go out, you bring one of those. Well, so I'm down to that like one fly, a uh, couple jerk baits, couple you know. So I, I, each and each category that that might fit, and then a couple finesse baits that I, I, I like the lighter lures, and that that's it. I, I'm, if I rotate through those and I get nothing through the day, then and I'm, I feel confident that I get everything I had because before it was just chasing every lure, and I spent more time switching than I did fishing. All right. Well, this and, length... and my success hasn't changed. That's the thing. It's not like uh, I'm doing way worse now. I'm still having my one, two, three fish days, if or skunks or whatever it may be. So nothing's changed. It's not like my success rate plummeted. And so it kind of using that empirical data made me realize well, I'm wasting a lot of time carrying all this junk. Okay, so with that said, here's the question. Mm-hmm. Would you rather <laughs> fish the style of baits that you want to fish and not catch a muskie or fish a way you do not like fishing and do not want to fish but catch a fish? So you're either going to catch a fish doing it the way you don't like doing it or going well, about your day. And here's the deal. I've never found a way of fishing. I don't like, I, I, I don't care what it is. I just enjoy all elements of it. So I, I don't think you could even come up with a means that I wouldn't. I mean, again, here's a guy that casts two pounders. That's definitely not a joy, but I didn't mind doing it, you know? So I can't fathom. There's, you know, again, I've, I've done the two pounders all the way in the, the fall to, early spring taking the lure dragging on the bottom and every cast was five minutes that's how painfully slow i'd retrieve the lure and i enjoyed them both i had no problem with either one so if whatever's going to yield a fish and i know it then definitely i'll fish that technique but if i go into that day not knowing it then i'm going with my comfort lures and if i get skunked i'm going to make the assumption that i would have probably got skunked with all these off the wall techniques as well but if i know going into it i'm going whatever's going to yield a fish but i just Again, I I can't think of any way that I don't like fishing. Okay, what happens with some kind of like voodoo magic? Like you have to drink this this giant thirty ounce container of like rabbit blood, and you catch a fish <laughs> like, because you just you you ruin the question. So now I gotta. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever you do to catch a fish, that's what you want to do. I mean, that's the goal. You know. I don't know if I'm old enough yet to just want the experience and not care about like my uncle, he goes, he loves fishing, but, uh, I, I do think he's at the point just getting on the water and the experience trumps even catching fish. And so, uh, I don't know if I'm there yet. I do want it. I want a success, but as time goes on, maybe, maybe the older I get, I'll get into that point. where just being on the water. I'm happy. So how about you Vance? 
Man. I don't know. I'm stuck here thinking about all the wasted space I use. So. Oh, extremely <laughs> wasted. I'm, you can't get past that. <laughs> I, I just can't get past it. And, you know, it just like occurred to me that, you know, I'm going to be done fishing here in, in a week. And I, I got the boat, you know, I take everything out of it. And I'm just like, how is all of that in there? And you got to like double and triple check and stuff just keeps coming out of the boat. And you're just like, good Lord. <laughs> okay. Why? Why is this there? Okay. Now that you're reviewing all the life mistakes, um, <laughs> here's, here's a good, this would be a good tip. Andy's tip of the day. As you're pulling all those Plano boxes out of baits, if you look at the whole Plano box and you're like, I did not touch any or all but one or two of these baits all summer long. Take those one or two out, set them aside, take the rest of the Plano box and just throw them in the trash. That's the only way to get closure. Throw them in the trash. I don't know about throwing them in the trash. I'm going to need like a cattle prop. Okay. Like prior to me putting them back into the Plano box to put in my boat. But all you got to do is just like walk them down into a place for storage or something. If you want to hang them up to dry or do whatever you do, but it's real easy. Like you might have grabbed a bait or two out of a box and used it. And if you thought it was a good experience, a bad experience, you know, whatever. But that'd be a perfect time to start whittling away. So instead of 30 Plano boxes, you might start next year with nine. You got all that free space, all that gas you're going to save. Someone goes and breaks into your boat. They're not walking away (laughs) with 30 grand worth of baits. They're walking away with whatever, 12,000. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I used to carry a big giant, uh, when I'd go out on Erie, that big, it, it held like the thinner Plano 3700s or whatever, the thin ones. It had like eight or 10 of those in there for walleye baits. And I would, I knew which box was where to pull out the one bait out of each one. Then I finally said, this is dumb. And I have one. I take one with me now with, with the mentality that says, if I can't catch a fish using these, I don't want to catch a fish at all. They're going to, they're going to go my way. Have you noticed a decrease in, in success with that philosophy? Um, no, except for when you're in the boat. What? Dropping those (laughs) five fish. You're not hooking them. (laughs) That's operator error, not uh, lure uh, malfunction. Oh God! No, I mean no. It, it works because you're gonna you're gonna feed them what you want, and you know, like going back to what Vance said, you you always like if that one collar just starts popping, and I want to think if Todd was here, he had like one day, and we're not talking about the fire tiger boss shad, like something like in his a hundred years of fishing that. Like one day, it didn't matter what bait it was, as long as it was this color that it worked. And I don't know that to me, that's an extreme, ex, you know, the the exception there. That that just screw it, grab a couple, rotate them out, and anymore now it's 
I'm just fine tuning everything to the point to where I'm not digging. You know, if I have to go and dig through seven boxes to, to find the bait that I want, that's wasted time. Yeah, no doubt. You're, you're going to fish better with what you're comfortable with. Yeah. But you're faced with big decisions to make here soon. <laughs> oh yeah, I have to. I have to gut that that boat and take everything out of it. It's it's a mess. Is it still up in New York or is it home? It's in New York. One week it'll be home. Watch backing it in. I will. Uh, yeah, I've already like come. I've been coming home a lot. And I'm like, I'm going to relax. But I immediately start pouring swim baits. That's all right. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. It, it, it's something to like winterize your boat. People think about the motors. Mm-hmm. Taking all of that stuff out of it. And looking at it, that that's the that's the harder part in my my opinion um, is getting all that gear out and letting it sit there, and uh, then it sits there for a couple months, and all of a sudden fishing season comes around, and you're like, what am I going to put back in the boat? It's an anxious feeling. Hmm. I, I, you know, I never really did that though, because my winterization of the boat is stable in the fuel. You know, mm-hmm. every every day that I've owned my boat, it's practically been in heated, stored, you know, garages. So it would be all right. Maybe throw a cover on it. Maybe not, and then. The only the only difference is, is I haven't hooked up to it in a long time, so I never really like pulled everything out of it to check. But that probably wouldn't be a bad idea because you get some moisture in a box in the bottom somewhere because your live well isn't plugged off completely, <laughs> and you never knew it. And then you you come back to you know your your favorite box of wooden trolling baits or whatever, and they're like split and paint bubbling off of them, and the rust is just eating through the hooks and probably not a bad idea to winterize your equipment too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, but I think most it's, people like also like to do that virtual fishing that Steve and I have talked about. And no, part of that is you got to crawl in and get your stuff out to. No doubt. And I still virtual fish. I didn't give that up. I just don't bring as much with me. (laughs) Man, you even whittled it down virtually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Freeing up some uh, memory there. Can um, I'm going to just, we can close on this, but I wanted to uh, touch base on something that was kind of eye-opening for me. Uh, Inefficiency. When I had a client out recently uh, who is a uh, really good fly fisherman, 
he we always talk about how it's tough to fish on Chautauqua Lake fly fishing traditionally with that cast and wind and things of that nature. There was a cast that uh, was brought to my attention. Um, and the guy really didn't show me it or anything like that. He was just doing it. And I was like, well, this looks completely different. And it actually <laughs> looks like a conventional cast. Um, touch base on that, Steve. What is that? It is awesome. Well, so, and I, I brought it up on the, the podcast before. Uh, and, and, you know, we talked about fly fishing being, uh, you know, a, yeah. like See, a deficiency because yes. you're seeing not. It. Yeah. <clears throat> so what it is. It, but seeing it made me like, wow, perfect. Well, and the thing is, you know, again, the, the, the thing with fly fishing and the different potential conventional fishing is you just in theory don't have your line in the water as much because you're false casting. So, and I know this buddy very well because he's the one that caught the largest fish on a fly last year in uh, Muskie's Inc. And I told the story of netting his fish. So this is that same gentleman. He's unbelievable at fly fishing. So he does it so effortlessly. And he taught me this cast, which changed my whole fly fishing approach. And it's called a water haul. And so essentially what it is, is he does his figure eight, flips the fly back behind him, lets a little bit of line out, maybe about 10 feet. The fly actually gets into the water. And then he loads it up, and uh, that loading puts like the slingshot effect, and then it just shoots your fly up 50, 60, 70 feet if you're really good at it. So you lose zero time, and in some cases, like him, I think he's almost faster with that than someone with conventional gear because it's so fluid and effortless. I'm a little more herky-jerky with it, but I've gotten efficient enough that I, I, I can you know cast all day like that and not <clears throat> lose time. And so, you know, techniques like that, especially with rods that load well, that could sling that heavier line, just definitely, I don't think, put a fly fisherman at a disadvantage when it comes to time in the water with, with the lure. So. I can, I can agree with that. Um, and like I said, it was, it was impressive. Um, and there needs to be a video on that or something. Because well, there is. That, um, that needs to. That needs to happen for all musky fly fishermen that are doing it on a lake. Well, and even anywhere I do it, that river, stream, anything, anywhere you can get a, your fly in the water behind you, it's, I think, absolutely um, uh, beneficial. And, and so Luke Swanson, I talk about that fly rod that Luke came up with. It's a custom heavy rod at, out of Minnesota. He has a wonderful video he just put up not too long ago on um, the water haul or water loading. And he's very clean with it, and he has multiple angles, and everything he does shows the efficiency of it. And, and to, you know, I try to tell guys about it, and they don't quite understand it. Uh, and like you said, until you see it and see how the, the mechanics of it and how it works, does it allow you to understand the, the effectiveness and efficiency? Because Pat and I fish Chautauqua in like 20 mile an hour winds, and we're still able to cast because you have very little line out there. And you're not worried about uh, a burst of wind taking your back cast off course and sticking you in the ear. And so you can do it in wind. You can, you know, because you're, you're just very little bit behind you and you're loading up and it's like a slingshot. 
So yeah, there's a great video on that, and it's just, and definitely when my buddy Pat does it, he's in a different realm. I mean, this guy's just a fly fishing extraordinaire. So, yeah. So when you talk about, like on the back cast, the fly and some line is laying in the water, and you load up the rod. Are you mm-hmm. holding, holding the line a little bit, or like locked down, and you load the rod up, and when it pops off, you like open your finger. And then it, yes. it, it shoots out like, like a normal cast, only yep. now it's you have enough force in the line that was exposed to pull and increase its weight as it as it goes out. Correct. So what you do is you, you kind of flip the rod the line back, the fly hits the water, you load forward, you actually kind of tug on the line to give it that increased velocity. And then as soon as the the, the rod flexes and kind of releases like it's slingshotting in a head you let the line go and it's just feeding through what they call shooting line out your rod and like i said guys that are very good at it could probably get up to 80 feet i'm, I'm probably around the 50 foot range um what usually ends up happening to me is since i'm not great with line management on the stripping in it, it wraps around something on the way out but my buddy pat's very good at his line management he lays it very clean so when it comes out it, it just goes out so that's where i need a little work but guys who can do that cleanly lay their line down in a good fashion and not wrap it around boat seats and everything when they get that when they shoot it out it's like i said you just let the or like you said you let your fingers go and then all that line just feeds out as it's it's uh propelling ahead so the secret would be not to have 200 feet laying at the bottom of the boat like you, you, yeah, a, a I mean, reasonable yeah, amount shoot 80 feet you don't need 200 feet um, so you, you put out as much as you're, you're, you're able to shoot. So you minimize the amount that's laying there, but the key really is, is, is kind of set up where you're going to lay that line and clear a lot of obstructions if you're going to fly fish. So, so uh, what yeah. you're saying is you don't want to have like three conventional rods at your feet and 26 Plano boxes full of baits with some lids open. You want to no, have, you want to be clean. Every one of them. That's, that was the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you Everything will go out with that line into the water somewhere else once that line catches it. But I'm glad you saw that, Vance, because again, I talked about it. But like you said, until you see it, um, you just don't you don't realize that what it looks like and how efficient it truly is. Mm-hmm. And I implore all fly fishermen to check out that Luke Swanson video and to practice that because it is uh, it's impressive. It's very cool. Yeah. Very. No, did you did you get to see his fly in action too? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that's another unique creation he has that not many fly guys uh, tinker with because it's that double treble and man, the I think the action of it's just extraordinary. I mean, I'm not really concerned about the action of it. I'm concerned about the weight mm-hmm. and the hook points. I mean, two trebles is amazing. Yes, sharp. Yeah. Please, weight. God. Yes. Yeah. Please have that. <laughs> See, Vance is coming around to fly fishing, man. I love it. No, I'm just observing. <laughs> no. Like you will not, you will not catch me doing that. But um, that was efficiency, uh, prima, and uh, for for the sport of fly fishing. Uh, and in the niche that muskies is, and it just was, uh, it was like a breath of fresh air 
I was like, this guy is getting it. You know, yeah. this, this guy finally is, a, he's adapting, he's playing with things, tinkering. And uh, I was impressed with that. You know, he adapted yeah. to, to make something that was like hard, easier on him. And uh, I think it lends to more fish in the boat. Well, no he, he catches he catches a ton of years, and like I said, you saw the results of, of of the size he catches too. He's just just bringing that efficiency should increase your um, success, you know. So no doubt, cool. Well, so I, I also need to bring up this point. So Steve was getting all excited because Vance was coming around, but if if he literally was in the presence of the best fly fisherman possibly in the world for muskies and that's that, that's coming from from steve there who who, who believes that the case um, it's pretty good yeah it's really the, good so um having the best of anybody in any facet of life can make can make someone like hey this stuff isn't all that bad do you think Vance would be having the same eye-opening experience if there was someone that was more average? Like me. No. He'd see me and say, what a cluster. <laughs> Why right. would anyone do this? With all that line, perhaps yeah. we should uh, throw it over this bridge and see what kind of pound test it is. <laughs> yeah. No, he'd see me do it, catch everything in his boat, and I'd help him clean out that equipment because he'll catch on a line and go overboard and yeah, my buddy, my buddy Pat Burke, he's he's insane. It's like a magic wand. So yeah, you're right. Seeing he's like an uh, Olympic athlete uh, at his sport, and and seeing average guys like me, um, it, it probably wouldn't win 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 him over. But I think you'd still at least appreciate the efficiency that a, a, a average guy like me can get out of that because of the fact that it, it just helps my game uh, become more efficient in the in the fly uh, realm. But yeah, you're right. I mean. Seeing seeing the best uh, makes it seem more effortless. Well, I I was just uh, intrigued by the the new cast. Yeah, this is something to anybody that's listening that does your classic fly cast that looks whippy. Um, it it looks absolutely nothing like that. Um, and that's why it was eye opening to me. Uh, and like I said, check it out. Uh, really, really cool stuff. And, um, for anybody that loves to suffer and wants to <laughs> suffer less, less, yeah. uh, check out that cast. Cause I, I think it can really help people in the long run. Well, I'll just add one last point then I won't beat it anymore. But from a physical standpoint, I used to do the false casting and, and, man, it would wear you out. You'd spend a day at 10 hours on the water with a 10 weight false casting all day. And you felt like you were in a battle with that. It just, it does not put the wear and tear on your body because you're really doing a compact motion, loading the rod. So the rod's doing all the work and not your forearm and shoulder and everything else. So like you said, it, it not only is efficient in the fishing realm, but it beats you up way less and, and I can go forever and, and not feel fatigued doing that. So yeah, definitely a great technique. And there's probably some fly guys out there that are like, yeah, that's not fly fishing because it's not the false cast. But, you know, 
Well, and I've told a lot of fly guys about that, and they're like, no, I like my false cast. It makes me feel like I'm fly fishing, like you said. Jesus. So, okay. I mean, that okay. is insane. Well, again, yeah. if, if, they, if they want to get that experience out of it, um, that's okay, because my fly is going to be in the water twice as much as theirs. So that, oh, God. So, so it's going to lead to twice the disappointment on your end? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I li- cool. I like it. All right, we'll wrap this up. Big thanks to Fatty Z Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, St. Croix Rods, Vicks Marine, Ranger Boats, Muskies Inc., and the Muskie Max Plus. So with that, everyone, good luck, stay warm, stay healthy, and thanks for listening. <laughs>